93.7 Express FM. Hello and welcome to another coronavirus special podcast. On the show this week, we spoke to leader of the opposition at Portsmouth City Council, Donna Jones. We also chatted to a local GP, Dr. Raj Lally, on the show a little bit later on, as is the chief executive of the Southern Co-op, Mark Smith. And then also later on on the show, we chatted to those that own local businesses or run organisations in Portsmouth or the surrounding area that are actually benefiting from the situation of COVID-19. As always, if you have a question for the show, you can get in touch and email me anytime. Robbie at expressfm.com is the place to send the email to. And we will kick off talking to uh, Leader of the Opposition at Portsmouth City Council, Donna Jones. Donna, hi to you. Hello. Hello, how are you? Are you, are you well and safe? I'm well, I'm safe, um, and I'm currently uh, in isolation. I think I've been out once in three and a half weeks. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, I'm I'm, ple- I'm I'm pleased that you're well and all is good your end. Listen, let's um, let, let, let's start with sort of. I kind of want to start with the 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 sort of the positives from the current situation and also the negatives because I I heard you chatting to to Darren earlier today and and talk to us about if you can sort of the 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 good in the current situation what is sort of currently going on which is good and what is we're, we're sort of worrying about a little bit more as well okay well i think the really good that's going on is the fact that the community across the city of portsmouth has done what it does best and that is rolling its sleeves up and really looking out for each other and pulling together when times are hard and you know this city has been through it over the last hundred years with first world war the second world war uh, and you know other things that have happened and actually we've been through worse than this and we got through it um and we've seen the support groups and people that are volunteering for the NHS and people that are getting shopping for elderly neighbours and caring about them is is so lovely. And I've got to know people that live in my road that I didn't know before. And I think there are some real positives to be taken from it. Yeah, there, there certainly feels like there's a, a sort of a revolution of uh, of the sense of community. That is for sure. Let's. Um, we're also going to. I know a little bit later we're going to speak to some local businesses as well that are faring well from uh, from the current sort of uptake and demand for for things like local produce and whatnot. Um, let's yeah. also obviously we we know that it's not all good at the moment and that um, it's also a, a very worrying time for people. And there's nothing that you know can cover that up. But for a lot of families, it is a it's a terrifying time. Um, Explain to us where we are, where we, well, where we are predicted to be, because obviously no one will really know where we'll be uh, from a local point of view in terms of hitting the peak and whatnot. But where we're sort of expecting ourselves to be at the moment. Yeah, well, I think that um, you know when we went into this period of isolation for the three and a half weeks ago, um, the government were expecting the peak to hit around now and then to last for about three weeks before we then started seeing the numbers coming down. Mm. Um, and if you look at the death rates per day in countries across Europe, um, our numbers here are now not dissimilar. And I do think that we probably will um, maintain the level that we're at now for a two to three week period. And then I'm hoping that the numbers then start to come down. If that happens, I would anticipate, and this is only my own personal thoughts and feelings here, um, that we will hopefully uh, be out of isolation um, and trying to get back into the period that's called the readjustment phase um, by maybe the middle to end of May, which would be really good news for everyone. Yeah. Do you think that there's a case for, I've seen it in the last couple of days, I've, I've seen a few things written about a case for 
you know, localizing the, 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 the sort of the release of the lockdown or localizing uh, the way in which we're going about the, the, the strategies that are used. And, and if, that, if that were to happen, where, where would Portsmouth sit? I know we know that we're not as, you know, we're not hit as severely as somewhere like London is, but where are we in sort of the, ske- the scheme of, of the country? Well, I mean, I think that we are faring well. I think the the good thing for me really is that people are going to catch this virus and the government is not trying to stamp it out completely. It's trying to slow down the spread so that the NHS can cope. Um, But actually, they want people in the UK to build up a natural immunity to it because if we build up no natural immunity, it will come back. And it might not Mm. be until next year, but it will come back again. And we know this with other things like bird flu and, and those sorts of viruses, which are not dissimilar that happened over the last 10 years. So we need natural immunity. There are people who are living amongst us here in Portsmouth who have had the coronavirus and didn't even know they had it because they had very mild symptoms. There are people who've had it, but had it as a cold, a cough, a flu, stayed at home and they got over it within four or five days. And of course, there are people who are much more poorly and then obviously the very worst cases, those that, that lose their, their lives to this to this terrible virus. So actually, we do need to build up a natural immunity across the country. Portsmouth, um, we need to be on our, on our toes a bit here because we are a very densely populated community, the most densely populated city in the country outside of, outside of London. So mm. we, when you factor in uh, um, the density of Portsmouth City, I think we're doing really, really well. Um, there were no new cases um, announced yesterday in Portsmouth. Uh, a couple of, um, you know, deaths uh, announced yesterday, but they were from people obviously that's contracted the virus over the last few weeks. Um, and QA is coping really, really well. And I think, you know, it's tribute to our brilliant staff in the NHS for what they for what they have done and just for how resilient they have been at adapting so quickly to this very, very unique um, situation. I just want to pick up one thing that you said, you said there about the the sort of the fact that it might you know that this this will come back. We don't know when it will come back, and and the fact that you know we need to bring it build up some form of immunity to it. it there's going to be a there'll, there'll be loads of people listening that will that will say right, well, fine, that that's fine by us, but we don't want it on our patch. And that you know who who you know who right now would would say, you know, yeah, you know what, I'm happy to take one for the team and, and contract it, even, you know, even someone that is supposedly well and, you know, and, and young and, and whatnot. But even then, we've still seen people with no underlying health conditions and young people still still dying from this virus. So that that's going to be something that's difficult to manage, right? Absolutely. And I think that the point you just made there, that no one wants to have it on their patch, will be the same across the whole of the country mm. and that's why we've got scientists and government experts and our you know our government themselves who are having to make these decisions for welfare and the sort of best prosperity for the country moving forward i mean one of the things that we know from all of this is that the economy is is now not going to be in a very good state at all um in the second week of the coronavirus really hitting in the uk um on the week that we had announcements made by the Prime Minister and by Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor. So you had the furloughing scheme, you had um, £300 million announced on the Friday, and I think it was £230 million announced on the Wednesday. So in a three-day period, the government had committed to spend 50% of the normal UK government exchequer in a whole year. So in three days, they had pledged to spend, as I say, what they, you know, the normal expenditure of a 12-month period. And, you know, 
that money, whilst it's not real money, it's government debt, it's money that's being printed by the government to underpin businesses, to stop people from losing their jobs, to stop businesses from going bankrupt and people therefore then end up, you know, having their homes repossessed and everything like that. Eventually, the money does need to be paid back because it is going to downvalue and downgrade the economy. So there are when we come into the recovery phase and we start to, when people are better and the NHS gets back to functioning as a normal healthcare system that, that it is, um, we then need to look at how we then, you know, protect our economy against things like this in the future and how we start to pay that money back. Um, but the number one thing is, you know, you can see the difference from America mm. and Donald Trump's approach, which is get the economy working as quickly as possible, reopen America, open the borders, get people going into America. We want people to go back to work. And the UK government, which is saying, mm, we're not so sure. We don't want to rush into this too quickly. And actually, the prime minister has taken the decision that he would rather the government um, takes the hit on the economy than people die unnecessarily. And I have to say, I think human life is, is worth more than any value of sterling or anything like that. So I think the right decision has been made by a very compassionate passionate and sensitive government well well i have to agree there that the health of people is is will always be the most important thing and preservation of life um you you did mention there on a couple of the um the situations from from uh from the chancellor that we've seen you know the introduction of the furloughing scheme and and uh self-employed income scheme and and, and whatnot um i follow I, there's a couple of people i follow on twitter and, I, and i'd recommend anyone to follow them and they're paul lewis and they're martin lewis who are sort of money saving experts and financial journalists and I, i've been following them quite eagerly over the last couple of weeks and seeing the sort of responses that they get and and of course ev- well some people i, I certainly do i appreciate that um, that the, you know the government are having to put in these schemes that would normally take years to come up with, and they're having to do them suddenly, you know, within days. And I understand how how unprecedented it is. But equally, what advice would you give to those that are falling through the cracks? Because they're they're you know you just have to look at one tweet from you know one of these financial journalists, and you see a stream of people that that genuinely are falling through the cracks. From a local point of view, I know we have a lot of sort of self-employed people, a lot of small businesses yeah. in Portsmouth. What advice would you give to them? Because there is no you know there's no beating around the bush that some people do fall through the cracks. Absolutely. They absolutely are. And I think it's a really good point. So, for example, your carpenter, your plasterer, your bricklayer who work from technically their business is based from their home. They run it from their spare room and they go out and they do jobs in other people's houses. A sole trader, for want of a better word. And those are the people that don't have a rateable value because they just run it from their own home. They don't need to have a premise because they are a one man band in their business. Um, And these are people that are particularly falling through the cracks at the moment. So this has been acknowledged by the Chancellor. It's also been acknowledged locally. Um, And what the Department of Business have done in conjunction with the Chancellor is sent money to local enterprise partnerships. So each area has a LEP, which is funded by the DFT and the Department of Business to kickstart job creation, infrastructure schemes and, and the like. So our LEP had a board meeting last week where they have agreed a loan scheme for sole traders. Now, it's not a grant. It is a loan scheme where a one-man bank carpenter could go to the local LEP and say, look, I've got to pay my you know, mortgage, for example. Bank should be allowing the, the carpenter to have his payment holiday on his mortgage. He should be able to go to his utility company and his mobile phone company and say, I can't pay this for three months. You need to give me some leeway because I'm a carpenter and I can't work. Fine. But there'll be certain things like food shopping and other essentials that 
you do need actual cash to be able to go out and buy those mm. commodities. So there is funding available in a loan format. In addition to that, of course, it's then the benefit system. So it's claiming universal credit. It's then getting help with your council tax and all of the other support package things that go through it. And the universal credit system, one good thing that's come out of all of this, has had a significant overhaul where claims are now being assessed within a few days and granted and first payments made within four weeks, whereas before they were taking seven or eight weeks. So, And I, and I actually spoke to somebody yesterday who found themselves homeless over the weekend, put in a claim for universal credit over the weekend and had her call yesterday and payment will be coming to her at the end of next week. So it genuinely is coming through the system. So, you know, anyone who is a small business, a sole trader, or even a big business in Portsmouth that thinks they may need help and support, there is a helpline out there. The council have set up a a business support helpline. It's open every day of the week, uh, and it's open from 7 in the morning until 7 in the evening. The telephone number is 02392-841-641. That's 841-641. And people can also find that on my Facebook page and my Twitter account. And that takes you through to a team of six, who are the business regeneration team at the council, and they will then connect you to the business rates team if you need to claim your business rate exemption. They'll pass you through to the team to get your claim in for one of the grants if you're applicable, or they can refer you on to the LEP if you are a sole trader and a small business that doesn't uh, you know, qualify for one of the specific government grants. So there is help and support available. All right. Listen, well, Donna, we, we we do really appreciate your, your your time, and of course, we 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 understand that it's um it's, it's mad for everyone to try and sort of get their head around everyone's situation, especially sort of you know in, in Portsmouth at the moment, which want to try and bring people up to date locally. So so thank you for doing that, Donna, and uh, please do stay safe. Thank you very much. No problem. Take care. Donna Jones, leader of the opposition at Portsmouth City Council. Right. Coming up very shortly, I'm intrigued to see what we uh, what the situation is with local supermarkets. I know it was mentioned briefly there with Donna. Uh, we'll chat to Mark Smith, Chief, Chief Executive at Southern Co-op very shortly. And coming next, we're going to chat to a local GP about uh, coronavirus and how medical professionals are starting to deal with it. We'll do that next on the Coronavirus Special. Express FM. Welcome back to our coronavirus special on Wednesday evening. A reminder of that number uh, that Donna Jones, leader of the opposition at Portsmouth City Council, gave out for uh, those that might want to get through to the business regeneration team. It's 02392 841641. That is the number to get through to the business regeneration team. Right, next up, we're going to talk about the situation of COVID-19 from a medical point of view and to do that dr raj lali a a local mp on the line raj hi to you good evening welcome along to the show thanks for your time this evening raj um we, we we spoke to someone from brighton medical school a couple of weeks ago on the show and and sort of tried to get an update on things medically you know where we are and sort of um in terms of discovering and understanding that, that this virus how have things moved on in the last in the last few weeks and where where are sort of people in the medical field um finding themselves in terms of the understanding of the virus at the moment yeah i mean obviously as as we're all hearing through through the news feeds um uh, it's it's similar like that in in the medical world in 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 many ways uh so a lot of the understanding obviously with the virus is 
it's uh, one that um, if somebody does get very unwell from it, it, um, it takes control of the uh, respiratory uh, system mm. in our bodies. Um, and, and that is often then the support that, um, that is needed and required uh, in, in a hospital setting. Um, and, uh, and that can escalate quite quickly. Uh, as we've seen in in some cases through through the news, um, there are obviously uh, a larger cohort of, of of patients where actually the symptoms are um, are very mild, uh, uh, and um, and it and it doesn't really sort of affect them in that way where they then need hospital support. Um, but I suppose now with with a, a lot of the um, uh, uh, sort of um, sort of learnings and teachings uh, with regards to the viruses is sort of geared towards, um, you know, trying to gear up towards uh, a vaccine uh, to, uh, to sort of, you know, uh, uh, look at the sort of the long-term sort of management of how to deal with such such an outbreak. So, so that's where a lot of the science uh, has been sort of uh, focused on. Yeah, and it, it explain to us, because when we, we we heard, you know, sort of when the outbreak began, we had a lot of people um, sort of, you know, I suppose now it seems that they were being very naive when they said, oh, it's just a common cold or it's just, a, you know, the, just like the, the flu that you'd normally get. And obviously, we, you know, we, we know that, that plenty of people do die from a common cold or, or you know, from flu. Um, but we don't have we, we don't have a cure for it as such. And we don't have we certainly don't have a vaccine really for it. So where, has, has things changed here? And, and is this now? become a different a different a different uh, sort of you know case uh i mean the the difficult the difficulty with this virus and and it even is sort of highlighted in, in the name with it being called a novel coronavirus um uh in many ways so so it's it's a new virus that's uh, that's entered um uh, the population um globally uh and and what that means is um uh, us as patients, if we were to sort of contract this virus, we don't have um, the immune system that's ready and primed to sort of fight this virus. Uh, and um, and for for um, for many people, the, the the body, the immune system reacts, and and it's and it's able to uh, find a solution. Uh, and and you know, within sort of one two weeks, people are, people are often fine. Uh, but for others, if if the immune system uh, is unable to cope, that's when. Uh, it can get quite um, quite bad for that individual, and they may be hospitalised and require uh, much greater support. Um, whether that is high respiratory ward or intensive care unit, but obviously in in some sort of cases, which obviously we're hearing uh, a lot through it, it can lead to death. Um, and then when when you're dealing with new viruses, and that really just emphasises the whole importance of vaccines. And I'm sure after this whole, whole global pandemic, I think everyone's will fully understand why we have uh, vaccination programs in, in, in countries for this reason, because you, you, need to, you need to build that sort of herd immunity so that uh, viruses like this can't essentially take over and you have outbreaks or, or pandemics. Uh, and, uh, and that's why um, now a lot of that science is really geared towards uh, finding, finding a vaccine. So, so then there is, um, there is more of a... Uh, a clearer exit strategy uh, in terms of how to sort of tackle this sort of pandemic that we're that we're dealing with. Yeah, well, we we had we had um, Councillor Donna Jones on the show a little little bit earlier, and she was sort of uh, comparing it to to things like sort of bird flu and whatnot, and, and these sort of we've heard this term second wave and things like that. Are we are we still are we actually really expecting this this second wave? And are we, is there any similarities there? 
it's very difficult to say, and, and, and I suppose that's where you do get mm. sort of epidemiologists, um, scientists, um, and you're, you're seeing from how different countries are, are, are tackling the pandemic in different ways. And uh, uh, it's very difficult to, to give a, a true answer to that, which um, and it's because it is, is very new, um, you know, in, in modern times. We have not had um, uh, such a vast global pandemic like this, where it's been where it's affected all countries, all populations worldwide. Uh, and I think that's why a lot of it is is almost we're learning as we're going along, uh, and we're, we're we're looking at data that's um, that we're getting from other countries, and what, um, and obviously other countries, other regions are doing different things. Uh, and that's that's often how we're sort of reacting, and 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 I'm sure from from a government sort of UK perspective, that's that's how um, how our sort of leaders are reacting here as well. Uh, but obviously, a lot of the time, it's supported through through evidence, uh, uh, but also um, you know epidemiologists, scientists, uh, Public Health England giving that sort of uh, support about what's what's best to do uh, and at what time. And and just finally, before before we let you go, do you think that this is going to change in the future? This is going to change the sort of structure of med, sort of medical research and whatnot. Because you said that this is, you know, we're not you obviously, you know, people are not used to seeing something like this come along that we don't know about. Do you think that sort of the way we prepare for, you know, in, in the medical field for for these new new viruses coming along will change? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think. To be fair to medicine, I think they've they've always sort of been aware that something like this could happen, and you have seen outbreaks that have happened, um, whether that be the Ebola virus or when you had sort of SARS and swine flu as well, um, you know, over the years. So we have seen them. I think the difference here is it's affected everyone worldwide, all popular all populations. Mm. So so I think you're going to see a whole change that's probably going to happen from national government level. Uh, that that sort of you know the preparedness uh, what happens uh, when when an outbreak like this uh, does materialize so, so it's, it, I suspect it's going to be an element of that that's going to result so um, you know do countries sort of you know uh, have to react quicker uh, etc or, 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 or guidance from the World Health Organization uh, adjusts accordingly uh, and and sort of world leaders will obviously recognize that as well uh, quite quite soon so so uh, I suppose um, history will tell us, uh, and obviously when hopefully things sort of gradually get back to normal as well, uh, we'll sort of look at how things are done uh, and what was the best way uh, to sort of deal with that crisis. So so I think it's a combination of obviously medicine, but also about what we do as a society, which I think is so important. Yeah, well, it's certainly something that will or keep in our minds i'm sure for 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 decades to come listen uh, raj thanks so much for your, for your time this evening we appreciate you coming on the show and um please do stay safe that's okay no problem dr raj lally a local gp for us there right coming next i want to talk about uh the the sort of supermarkets because a little while ago supermarkets were a mess and and uh, and hopefully now things are sort of restored we're restoring some order so we've got chief executive of southern co-op uh, on the line mark smith mark hi to you hi good evening how are you 
Very, very well, thank you. Uh, thanks for your time this evening, Mark. Good to get you on the show. Um, listen to us. Uh, listen, ex- explain to us where we are, where we're sort of sitting now from a, from sort of a, a point of view of the Southern Co-op and, and our local supermarkets in general. Because obviously, a couple of weeks ago, things were things were were mad in the sense of uh, in the sense of supermarkets and shopping and whatnot. Things seem to have calmed down a bit now. Is that right? Yeah, they certainly have, and, and thank goodness, because it was, as you say, quite mad's a good word. It was it was insane uh, for a week, a week and a bit, um, yeah. with us, with everybody. Um, it has settled. I think it's settled into a bit of a new norm, and um, it's given uh, the food supply chain uh, a chance to recover a bit, uh, which is which has been good. I mean, it was a huge uh, surge of demand, as you know, it's been well reported. So uh, it's taking a little bit of time to just uh, restore that uh, normal supply to, to cover that. But, um, you know, the key thing was there was never a shortage of basic foodstuffs and there still isn't uh, and there's not expected to be. So um, that's the good news. Um, I think I think what we've seen here, uh, Robbie, really is we've had this sort of um, really slick UK grocery supply chain develop over recent years. And it, and it is really, really efficient. Mm. Um, and when something like this happens, then actually it sort of has to go into recovery mode. Um, which might happen, you know, in a small way after a big old summer surge of weather or something. Um, but here, the added complication, obviously, of social distancing uh, starts to come in. So I think what we're seeing in stores is suppliers coming back, particularly fresh, uh, fresh product now, you know, pretty much back to normal. A little bit slower around some of the ambient, longer life products um, because of the way those are manufactured. Uh, but that's coming back just a little bit slower. Um, but but I think what's playing out is just it's just less efficient. It's normally super efficient, really slick mm. um, as a supply chain. And obviously with social distancing in particular, and to a degree, a little bit of self-isolating and so on in the, in the supply chain as a whole, um, you know, it can't be as slick. So things don't flow quite as well, but there's certainly no shortage of product. Uh, it's just taking a little bit longer to process through manufacturing through depots and into store because they're you know not quite as many people at work or they're being covered by people who aren't experienced and it's just having to stand two meters apart in a food packing line just yeah. makes it less efficient but the product is there and it's coming through and i think we will see it continuing to get better um as long as hopefully you know folk just uh, keep buying what they need which is uh, which which seems to be happening now so that's that, that's great and and i suppose so so is what you're saying here that sort of supply has has sort of sped up and managed to keep up with demand as, as opposed to demand falling as much is that would that be fair yes i think so demand has eased back i think you know there was there was this enormous surge and you know, I don't think I don't think anyone's got enough cupboard space to keep buying food yeah. at, at that rate so you know that that happened um, and basically just transferred a large amount of stock, hundreds of millions of pounds across the country of, of, of grocery stock out of stores and into cupboards in homes. Um, and I think, you know, the people are running that down now and are using that, which, which obviously was what the intention was for them. Um, so demand has come off that amazingly weird and wonderful peak, um, but it's still probably bouncing around at or somewhere now, at or broadly at where it was before um, the crisis, because actually when you think about it, People's eating needs are the same as they were six weeks ago. Yeah. So we would expect it to be there or thereabouts, but um, 
taking a little bit of time to refill all the shelves with that surge that took it off of the shelf and into the cupboard, particularly on some of that longer life product. It's interesting you, you say that, though, about the, about the fact that, you know, eating needs are the same as they were six weeks ago. In a way, are they, have, they have changed, though, in a way, haven't they? Because people are now, you know, they're not at work, they're at home. There seems to be, you know, children are, are not having meals at school, they're having meals at home. There's, is there a case for the fact that, you know, we are actually going to have to eat a lot more and, and sort of a lot more supermarket food, at least, than, you know, than stuff that's prepared in bulk at, at a workplace or at the school? Yeah, I mean, I think that the last bit you said there really, I think, is the key. The total quantity of food we all consume, there's no reason that that would significantly increase. But mm. the, the point at which we consume it and the mix in which we consume it uh, clearly is, is already evolving with, with huge amounts of, of home working now compared to workplace-based consumption. Um, you know, we've seen a big drop-off, as I think all uh, food stores have, um, of food, what we call food to go. So, you know, the, the sandwich, the meal deal type thing, which people going to and from places of work, places of, um, you know, further education, these sort of things, it, it, that's a big trade. Now, that's, that's pretty much disappeared, as you would imagine, because people are not going to work in the main. Um, what we are seeing then, as you say, is a different mix um, of, of shopping. Um, and we have seen, and I think it's been seen in some of the other countries uh, where they're a bit further ahead in the curve on us on this, um, a bit more trade drifting into convenience stores as opposed to the very largest supermarkets as part of the social distancing and, and government advice not to, to go too far too often and to, to keep that to a minimum. You know, we're seeing people doing more shopping in their local convenience store uh, in some cases than they were previously. Um, but I think overall we're, we're going to eat the same, but it is a different mix of things that we're eating and, and we're certainly shopping in a different way at the moment to, uh, to, to, to get it into the home. Yeah, and and you mentioned sort of the government's advice there and whatnot. And I I don't know. I'd, forgive me if the, if this isn't a question that is best suited for the supermarkets to answer. But the, there's a big dilemma I know going on for a lot of people, and, and to be honest, myself included, um, in terms of how often we should go out. There's kind of the, there's the two options, I suppose, of going out and buying, you know, buying your weekly shop or, or bulk buying, as it's been called, buy a lot of food and go out fewer times or go out more often which we're 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 told advised not to do but sort of buy the smaller amounts what kind of advice would you give to people there i I think i think in essence it comes back to the simplest statement to make but it's obviously complex to to do which is to buy what you need and i think clearly having a massive you know go to the store very infrequently and buy a huge quantity is, is not a good model for keeping those stores replenished and for, for processing the customer through the store. Mm-hmm. But equally, going on, a, on an almost daily basis for, you know, as I, as I feel now, I want a, a, a single carton of milk or a single something. Um, you know, that's not helpful because with government advice, we are trying to, to manage the flow of people through stores. Uh, you know, the social distancing to get into the store, to move around the store and, and to transact in it. You know, works, and I think it's you know big, big progress in those last couple of weeks across um, food industry, and we're no different with you know, some of the protective measures that are now in there to make that a very safe experience. Um, but but there's still, unfortunately, some folk who are going to store more than they really need to, uh, and almost just as a semi-social activity, I might pop in for a, a single item that I don't especially need. I could wait till I go again, but I, I'll just do it. Um, and that, that bit's probably, you know, to be honest, uh, is probably a bit unhelpful at the moment because that's an additional social contact. That's an additional person to manage through the store when others are, are you know, are needing to, to get in and, and buy the supplies they need. So I think neither feast nor famine, go as infrequently as you can without having to do a massive 
uh, disruptive sort of size of, of shop would probably be the, the guidance that, that I would give. And I think increasingly people are sort of getting their heads around all this. It's, it's a mm. difficult transition for everybody, isn't it? And um, I think we're seeing in the last week, 10 days, customers sort of just getting a bit more into the into the zone almost of how how to work in this way as a as a customer because it's uh, as different for them as it is for us to uh, to uh, set it up from a, from a retailer's point of view yeah well it, it's it's funny we, we we sort of have the the stereotype of the key workers at the moment and as soon as we say key workers we think uh, national health service we think of the carers and of course they are doing an amazing job but equally you know people that are in supermarkets they are key workers they without that we would you know we'd have a lot more deaths in the uk if we couldn't eat right now i suppose the, the you know so they're they're doing a job and do they get do they get any form of sort of training at the moment is there any form of like emergency training or briefing that they get there's a lot. There's a lot of additional communication um, going out into the business around you know, the particular changes that are being necessary. So, you know, for instance, I think there's, there's an old expression about retail is detail. And you know, as an example, when when decision was made that we would close the store to uh, worker delivery, then obviously you need a, a bit of a process for that, and that needs to be communicated and briefed out for us. You know, just over 200 different locations, different teams working at different times of the day. So that all of that communicating has been done, and obviously. We've been giving lots of guidance around additional uh, hygiene over and above the high standards that would already be there, more time still for hand washing and this sort of thing. So we've been briefing and, 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 and setting out an awful lot of communication around that so people know what the changes are and the differences of their, their ways of working. But, um, yeah, they've had to adapt to some really different ways of doing things. And um, they've really stood up incredibly, a, a massive massive contribution from, from all those frontline teams. And as you say, you know, they are in their own way as essential as, as a medical team because, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we cannot go to a store and buy food, I, I doubt if many of us in this modern world can grow our own quickly enough not to starve to death. So no, absolutely. it is an essential service and not always sort of, I suppose we all take these things for granted a bit in normal times. Yeah, and, and in these um, in, in these tough times at the moment, we're always trying to find the, the silver linings and the things that we will, sort of the people that will benefit from things like this. And of course, uh, Co-op and Southern Co-op uh, work so so well with the local suppliers. They must be, surely this must be a, you know, a, a nice sort of uplift for them that the suppliers, uh, you know, that all demand is, has been surging so much. Yeah, well, they, they, they've been able to benefit um, from some of the uptake in demand as well. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and I think where, where we've been is, you know, recognizing some of them that we deal with, a couple of hundred of them across the estate, different small suppliers. Some of them are really small. So, you know, this is also quite a challenging time for them as very small businesses. So we've worked quite hard to stand beside them, to support them, to, to give them any additional help and guidance that we can. But our biggest contribution, obviously, is to, to get their product onto our shelves and to, to offer it to local communities alongside the big mainstream brands. And, uh, Yep, they've seen some some benefit from that, which I hope in the fullness of time, you know, some people will go, actually, I quite like that local product. Yeah, I might keep buying that, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that would be a great win if that was the case. Of course. Well, we hope that we hope that there will be some some positives to come out of this uh, this tough situation. Listen, Mark, we really appreciate your time on the show this evening. Uh, thanks very much, and and please to do pass our, our gratitude on to to all the wonderful workers uh, out there that are keeping keeping the South Coast going. So a big thanks for for your time this evening, Mark. My pleasure. Thank you and keep safe.
Mark Smith, you too. Uh, Mark Smith, Chief Executive of Southern Co-op there on our coronavirus special. In the final part of the show this evening, we want to talk to you and we want to talk to local businesses. We're going to ta- chat to a couple of local businesses and local organisations about how they are either benefiting or helping the community to benefit from the current COVID-19 outbreak. So we will do that next on our coronavirus special. Passionately Portsmouth, 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back to our coronavirus special. Just over 15 minutes left uh, this evening. I just want to bring people up to speed with um, the current the current sort of rules and regulation in Portsmouth. And the, there's, I know there's been a few sort of grey areas as to what can be enforced and how the uh, how Hampshire police are enforcing these rules in the local community. Just a heads up that in Portsmouth, officers are patrolling uh, the streets and they can give fines of up to six. £60, it says here, uh, for anyone who ignores the government rules, and that is only as a last resort, it does say, but fines could be up to £60. And if uh, you do want to sort of report any offenders, any people that are maybe uh, you feel are putting yourself or the rest of the community are at risk for for, uh, for maybe not following the rules or not following social distancing uh, there's an online incident form uh, which can be completed on Hampshire Constabulary's website which is hampshire.police.uk so that's hampshire.police.uk you can report uh, offenders there I think they're trying to avoid people calling 111 if necessary um, as that number as we can imagine is jammed at the moment right I want to speak to some people some of you right now now, um, and find out how organisations and local businesses are benefit- benefiting from this situation. We'll chat to someone from Gosport Borough Football Club uh, just before 7 o'clock this evening. But first, we've got Mitch from Mitch's Kitchen, uh, a local plant-based delivery food service on the phone. Mitch, hi to you. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Is all, is all good with you? Safe and well? Yes, very safe, very well. Um, busy, busy, actually. So it's quite nice when I know a lot of people are struggling right now. So we're, we're very grateful for that. Yeah, well, we'll come on to that then. So uh, first of all, from a sort of a, a local local supplier point of view, where is, I know, that, I know that things are a little bit different for you than they are for a lot of businesses across Bompey at the moment, but where's your, where's your sort of your head been at for the last sort of three or four weeks since this has all unraveled? I imagine for, for a sort of a business owner, it's been pretty scary. Yeah, obviously when the news first happened, we were a bit concerned. Um, as everyone was, there was no sort of certainty as to can we even go out, what can we do? Um, and luckily, where our kitchen um, is based in Droxford, it's right out in the countryside, away from everyone. Um, I work for myself, it's me and my wife Shireen that sort of run everything. Um, so I was like, well, it's business as usual for me because I'm just coming from home to the kitchen back home. So I don't come into contact with anyone else. Sure, and, and and in terms of uh, the sort of the, the the way that you're operating as a business, tell us a little bit about Mitch's Kitchen for those that that don't know, and and the service that you've you were offering before the, the, this coronavirus crisis, and how things have adapted now as well. Um, so for those that don't know, uh, Mitch's Kitchen, we're a local company, so we're based in Fairham, and then we have our kitchen in Droxford, and we hand cook a range of completely plant based ready meals, um, so they are 100 percent free from gluten, nuts, palm oil, refined sugars, and they're obviously vegan as well. Um, so our business model was we would make these meals by hand, freeze them down so there's no preservatives, using sort of high-quality ingredients um, and fully recyclable packaging. And then we would box these up and send them using carbon-neutral delivery through DPD 
um, all across the UK. Um, so people can choose their delivery day, it rides to you frozen, and then you've got a nice, healthy, nutritious meal in your freezer, which can be cooked in the microwave or oven um, whenever you need it. And so, so I suppose this is this is one of those things. It, it kind of, I mean, we spoke to to Mark Smith, the chief exec, chief executive of Southern Co-op, a little bit earlier. I suppose this is similar in the sense that you are, I mean, you're 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 a delivery, aren't you? Essentially, you are a sort of supermarket delivery, but for a more niche market. And I suppose um, you're you're focusing on sort of local produce a little bit more as well. And and so, how is that sort of um, in terms of at the moment? I assume demand is is quite high. Yes, we um, in March in particular, I think it was the second week after the whole um, COVID-19 was announced, um, we had the busiest week of sales we've ever had since launch. Um, we did pretty much the same as the month before in a week. Um, it just went absolutely crazy. Um, and I think it was just pure panic from people. Um, it's, it was that real uncertain time. Um, you didn't know what was happening with the shop. There was restaurants, cafes, or your local places where you'd go to get produce. Um, they were all closing down, um, so we actually added a veg box to our uh, meal. So you could order nice, fresh fruit and veg from, again, we used um, Fruit Basket. They're a big local supplier, and they had the other end of, they supplied a lot of restaurants and bars and places that were closing down. So they were suddenly sort of in demand, looking for more people and ways they could keep trading. So it's nice to kind of keep their business going. Um, so we're offering fresh produce from them along with our meals. Um, and it, we've seen a massive uptake from sort of new customers and regular customers just sort of repeating orders week after week now because of the consistency. And and uh, and in terms of the actual the sort of delivery itself and whatnot, I know you you know you sort of ha- am I right in saying you, you have partners to sort of uh, to deliver the the produce and whatnot? How's the sort of I know there's been all sorts of strange circumstances with these transactions at the moment going on in terms of you know social distancing but delivering and you know who's touching y- your food and stuff like that. How's that how's that sort of being managed at the moment? So um, our main sort of delivery partner is BBD. So they've um, got loads of sort of practices in place. They do, um, you no longer have to sign the um, touchpad as a customer. The delivery driver will do that. Um, they will deliver it sort of to your safe place or door, um, ring the doorbell and step away. So you don't actually have any physical contact with the delivery driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then locally as well, I'm personally delivering them and doing pretty much the same thing where I'll either get people to say where they want it left um, and contact them in advance or leave it on the door, ring the doorbell and sort of, step a good few meters back so people can kind of pick it up and, and deal with it as they want um, so yeah we are being sort of very careful we're wearing gloves and masks and things when we are sort of cooking as well um, as, along with the deliveries so we are being sort of as compliant as we can just to make sure um, we're being as hygienic and safe as possible and there'll be there'll be plenty of people out there at the moment that will um well they'll, they'll, they'll be wanting to use this service so how can people how can people get involved if they if they want to sort of start getting this uh, delivery to their home um, so if you search Mitch's Kitchen, it should come up. Um, it's just mitcheskitchen.co.uk um, and all of our social media is just at Mitch's Kitchen UK. Um, if you are sort of local to, say, Portsmouth, Fairham, Southampton, um, and you just want the veg boxes, we can deliver those as well. Um, otherwise, wherever you are in the UK, we could deliver straight to your door. Well, that's great. Well, it, it it's nice to see that um, that it's nice to see that there are people, you know, benefiting, and that there are local businesses benefiting from the from a tough situation. We have to try and find the positives from it. So, listen, Mitch, keep up the good work and uh, and the brilliant service that you're that you're offering at the moment, and uh, stay well as well. Amazing, and you. Thank you very much. Ten minutes left of us this evening on our coronavirus special. Now, of course, we just heard there that 
that COVID-19 is helping some local businesses. And of course, one thing it's definitely not helping is sport. Plenty of sport shut off um, at the moment in and around our community. But we've seen a fair bit of goodwill from clubs uh, up and down the country, actually participating in community initiatives and whatnot. And Gosport Borough uh, are not uh, any different from that. And we've got Keith Slater on the line from Gosport uh, Football Club. Keith, good evening to you. Yeah, hi, good evening, Robbie. How are you doing? Yes, very well, thank you. Are you all well and safe? Yeah, we're we're keeping safe. We're keeping busy, though, as well. Yeah, you are. Well, talk to us about this, then. So you've... Um, well, well, I'll let you have the floor. What, what, tell us uh, about your response to COVID-19. OK, I mean, it, literally before the lockdown, the, the chairman said, we've got to do something within the community. There is going to be a need for some help. And um, literally from the lockdown, things started to move very quickly for us as a club and uh, for the gospel community. Um, we received our first donation um, from uh, Morrison's Gospel of um, uh, food to donate to the community, which was quickly followed up by Aldi um, via um, Gospel Voluntary Action. Um, so we've very much acted as a referral service. Um, we've got up to 26 volunteers to date. Um, we're mobile. Uh, we get food to the most needy. Um, we take referrals from Gosport Citizens Advice, uh, Gosport Voluntary Action, and um, we also um, have, a, you know, liaise quite a lot with our, our good friends at the Salvation Army as well, who give us really good advice on how we should be doing it properly. So, so who who is it that that's actually sort of partaking in this? Is it uh, it sort of because talk to us through the sort of structure at Gosport in terms of who's uh, volunteering? Are there sort of paid members as well? Okay, so you've got myself. I joined the club literally on the seventeenth of March as the clubhouse manager. That soon changed. What an introduction! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so I'm the. Um, uh, COVID-19 um, response person for the for the club okay so I've been repurposed in what I do so I guess I'm sort of like the, the main point of communication um, we um, appealed for volunteers um, on our website out on you know the usual social media platforms mm. and we have 26 people within gospel um, mainly club supporters um, who who are volunteering um you know, for, for a variety of reasons, but with an amazing different set of skill sets as well, which, you know, makes the whole thing happen. And how easy is it at the moment to, to sort of protect, you know, the, those that are having to uh, sort of deliver items and whatnot? Because, of course, we've, you know, we've seen plenty of situations of, of people not being able to necessarily get to, to vulnerable people because they're, they're worried about protecting themselves and their families as well. How, how's that been to manage? You know, you're at, I think that's a, I think that's a really really important point. I mean, the first thing we did was got was got ourselves fully risk assessed um, before we did anything. Um, that was just like a non-negotiable. Mm. Um, when we're out on um, deliveries, it's obviously full face mask. It's also the goggles as well. Um, that, that that's, an, that's a really important um, point as well. We have um, obviously protective um, handwear. You know, the, the gloves that we wear um, after we've rung on a doorbell or knocked on a, a you know. A door knocker we step back a minimum of a few meters to ensure that the delivery has been received you know where, where possible but then we'll be changing the gloves um, straight away afterwards as well because we've touched that so it, it's quite rigorous what we do we, we, we take it very seriously 
And, and how, uh, or sort of, how how is this working in terms of uh, sort of the community effort? So is it just so is it people that were just involved with Gosport that are participating at the moment, or or is it people you know that maybe maybe not even football fans that are coming forward and helping? That's been the really surprising thing. Well, not surprising thing. That's been the, the really really good thing. Um, yes, you know, initially call people that, that you know that supported the club. But a lot of people say I didn't know you were there. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know. I think what we what we're seeing anyway, certainly within Gosport as a community as well, is from us. You know, obviously people social distancing and everything like that, but there is a feeling of people get, getting together. You know, mm. albeit by you know sort of like social media platforms, everything like that. Um, there is a good feel about it, and you know, we're a community club. Um, the community is our is our heartbeat. So you know, that's something that we definitely want to tune into. Well, I want to, I, yeah, I wanted to mention that because we, I, I know we spoke to, I think it was, uh, I think it was Donna Jones who mentioned it a little bit earlier on how we've sort of revived this kind of community spirit through this this whole crisis. And I, I suppose it, one thing it is outlining, isn't it, is that you know sports clubs and you know especially like you know like Gosport or whatever that. The, the they actually serve such a huge purpose in the community and it's actually you know a bigger purpose than we probably expect when we go and watch them on a saturday or whatever at three o'clock that you know in these t- difficult times it, they actually can can stand as really really important hubs and and hubs for community service yeah and that 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 that's what we're aiming for well that's what it's partly what we're doing and that's what what we're you know that's that's what we want to to achieve on that one um, you know, this is just the start for us. We uh, we we want we want to help more. Um, we've obviously got, you know, a football team, a reserve football team, youth structure as well, and you know, a lot of people are, want to do things like, oh, here's an exercise program. Can we put this out on social media for people who maybe are self isolating? Mm. There's lots, you know, to to go in there. But what we want to do, whatever we do, we want to do it well, um, rather than sign up for a lot of things and and not do it so well for people because I think it's important we get it right for everybody. Sure. And for the, for this delivery service then um do you how can people sort of uh volunteer themselves there might be people out there that are wanting to partake in this? Absolutely. It's, it's really quite straightforward. Um just go to um, our website gosportboroughfc.co.uk. Um it's on there. Uh, there's just a few questions uh, just to submit there and also any particular skill sets that, that you may have uh, have as well. As I say, we're, we're currently standing about 26, um, which we're re- really happy with. We've seen things start to get busier. We're noticeable today. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, just one other thing that we're doing tomorrow as well, we, we've teamed up with our friends at um, Domino's and we're getting a few pizzas out into the community as well for lunch. So it's just, it's little things like that that mean a lot, I think. Yeah, well, they, they, they absolutely will mean a lot. I know they will. I know they'll they'll make a lot of days. And, and uh, j- just give us a heads up as well. We've got a minute or so left. How, how are people coping at the, the football club? And, you know, it's a difficult time for, for anyone that has a passion for, for sport at the moment because it's one of the things that, you know, we have lost. And regardless of, you know, of, of course, you know, health and, and everything comes first and, and sport takes back seat in situations like this. But how are people generally coping at, at Gosport Borough not getting their football fix and the players especially as well? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it has, it's obviously been that sort of like instant shock to, to you know, at first when it all happened, I think we all sort of felt the same. Um, a lot of the elderly supporters, it was a regular routine, the players as well. Um, but um, they, they, 
the, the players, the reserves, um, you know, um, they've been doing a lot of things online as well, keeping people entertained. You know, they, they've really, you know, they, um, you know, a couple of the guys in uh, uh, in the reserves team just started off a football club badge challenge, and, and it went global. You know, so yeah. they, they've been they've been they've been doing a lot, a lot of things there, considering that the the thing that they're so passionate about has been taken away. Well, it's nice to see people certainly get creative and uh, and be innovative as well, and 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 serve the community in such a fantastic way. And Keith, please uh, please do keep doing the wonderful work that that you're all doing, and send our regards to everyone back at back at the football club. And uh, stay safe yourself too thank you for, thank you a big thank you to all of my guests that were on the show this week as always if you have a question or a worry or a concern anything that you want answering on the coronavirus special you can email me robbie at expressfm.com and we will be back live once again on wednesday from six o'clock